Well, hello. Welcome to another Axe Church podcast. Thanks for listening. My name is Hunter Croft. I am on staff here at Axe Church, and we have a good podcast for you here today. Um, we're going to be talking about careers and things like that, but you might notice um, a little bit of difference in ambiance today. Can you feel it? Ah, mm. uh, yeah. Because it's Friday afternoon, and we're outside, actually. We moved the uh, studio outside to, to record this podcast because it's a nice day and not and it was too cold windy. inside. Yeah, it was also <laughs> very cold inside. So. We don't always run the heater because we think about your tithes, and we, <laughs> we try to uh, maximize the ministry use of those, so sometimes we don't turn on the heat in some rooms. And you can't turn it on once you start recording because then it sounds like... Then it's loud the whole yeah, time, right? Yeah, that so. doesn't work at all. So Here we are. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about... Uh, career, uh, vocation, which is a, a different way of talking about calling. Uh, what, what, what is our calling in life and how do we know and um, how, does the, how do we apply the mind of Christ towards, towards our careers and towards the things that we're called to? And um, there's a lot, a lot to think about with that. Before we kind of get into that, there's a, there's a few things that uh, uh, you know, I want to catch you up on. This is We're at our two-year anniversary for Axe Church. We've been around now for two years, which is exciting. Um, it's been an interesting two years, lots of, lots of victory and lots of, and lots of difficulty and lots of, and lots of challenges, and it's been an adventure. And so for those of you who are listening and who are actually attenders of Axe Church and have been here for the last two years, I want to thank you for... Um, being part of this body, which has just been an amazing thing to be. And so, um, you know, Hunter, you've been here for, what, what has it been, nine months or so? Uh, it's closer to 10 or 11. Actually, it's past 11. My my year will be, I think, Father's Day of this year. So, um, or maybe a week after Father's Day. So, yeah, um, I've been here 11 months now. And your wife had a an interesting oh, day. Yeah. Uh, tell us about Tell us about what happened this week. Yeah, she got her wisdom teeth out yesterday morning, and she uh, found out that that hurts, um, <laughs> and uh, also that she doesn't do well with anesthesia. So <laughs> we had an interesting uh, day yesterday. And I've never been under anesthesia Me uh, at all. I mean, I've slept lots of times, but I think they would, I would wake up if they started yanking bones out of my jaw. So yeah. um, that you, you have not either. So there's really nothing for us to talk about because neither one of us have experienced No it. experience. Uh, I can it, tell you that it makes some people very sick afterwards, though. Yeah, you got that. You got that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my wife had her, had to go under, she had a, uh, her pinky got very jacked up. And oh, had that's to put, right. You know. I was like, right about when I got here. A big paperclip looking thing into her. Yeah, it was around the time you got here. Big paperclip looking thing into her pinky and, um, you know, metal sticking out of it and whatever. And, yeah. you know, when she came out of there, she was, uh, you know, not herself. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't sick, I don't think, or not particularly sick. See, uh, Taylor was totally herself. Like, she <laughs> she just seemed like herself when she's sick, basically, is what she seemed like. She wasn't saying anything So she's weird. just high all the time. Yeah, I guess that one or the other. She's either you've, you've really good at that out, this right. or... Yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding, kidding for those of you who are offended by that. No. She actually only has taken she's ibuprofen, not. so... Huh. She's doing... Well, she's pretty tough then because when I good. got my wisdom teeth out, it was... It was a pretty horrific experience. I went... You know, I lived in California at the time and we had... Um, well, there's your problem. Yeah, our health insurance was not top of the line and we went to a dentist who... Uh, basically, he had like multiple rooms, and what he would do is he would, you know, line up people up in the rooms, and he just and he just knock it out, just one thing after another. You know, he's just he's just billing, right? He's just billing the the insurance, and he came in, and I mean, he's taking these teeth out of my face, and and it's just, and he, I did not get, I did not go under. He gave me some Novocaine, no no gas, no nothing. Oh man, and he's like having a break, you know, by my 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 tooth and a half, and like. You know, you could, you got to imagine this guy's. Le- you're, I'm seeing this guy basically leaned over me. I think he may have had his knee up on my chest or whatever. And he's yanking his blood spurting out of my mouth onto this guy, and it's just it was horrible. And it's like you can't talk or anything. It's just he's just wrenching on these teeth to get him out of my face, and so it wasn't a great experience. Um, Man, it was the last time I've been to the dentist, and it was about 16 years ago. So, yeah. but luckily I have fantastic teeth, uh, and so. Hopefully, I don't have too many cavities. But that was not a great experience. I hope that hers was better. Just the fact that she was asleep for it would make it a lot better. Yeah. So, I was amazed so by how good. fast it was. I I had brought all of my office stuff to the to the dentist or to the oral surgeons so that I could be working while she was back there, and uh, 
I was expecting, you know, an hour and a half, two hours later to get called called back there, but um, I got all my stuff set up, started working for about 15 minutes, and then they said, Hunter, your wife's ready. And I was like, oh, huh. all right. I guess it doesn't take that long. Yeah, It wasn't a particularly apparently. long process. It was just horrific. <laughs> Felt long. <laughs> yeah, it was horrific. And yeah, um, yeah I, I was destroyed in, in some small way through <laughs> through that experience. So um, anyway, uh, we're going to talk today about, about career. And so I, you know, there's, I, I can talk a lot about, about my own experiences, but I want to talk in general about let's just... Let's lay it out sort of like this. Obviously, we have a call from from the time of the garden, um, from pre-fall, before before humans fell, to work. You know, Adam and, and Eve they would they they were to work the garden, right? They were to they were to be involved in the work that God had put there for them. The, the difference was that it wasn't toilsome, mm-hmm. right? It was it was work, but there was but there was satisfaction in it. It wasn't something that was, you know. Even though, even though I'm not saying it wasn't hard work or physically, you know, demanding and so on, it may have been, but there was a joy in it. There would have, it would have been like everything else, perfect. Which I think sometimes we still experience today, um, where where things just, you know, it's hard work, but everything's lining up and and it's joyful and not not painful. That's only because I'm your boss. Yeah, that's that, your experience. That's it. That. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. Uh, work is not all toil. Uh, there's there's blessing and joy in work. I believe that that even post fall, there's all kinds of blessings and and satisfactions and whatever in work from the smallest things, the satisfaction of doing the smallest things to the to the largest things, whatever they are. And so that's there. Um, but our call is to work unquestionably. Mm-hmm. Whatever whatever we are capable of. We are we're called to work, and so and, and when we don't, you know, for those of you who've ever been out of work looking for a job, uh, you know what that feels like. It doesn't it doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and work can take a lot of forms. I mean, we've had times, you know, when our kids were young uh, for several years. Tiffany was at home with the kids, and I can tell you that was a lot harder work than anything I was doing. Um, <laughs> and it, you know, it, work work is what the Lord has called you to do. And so that's where, that's where the issue of vocation comes in. You know, what is your calling? What are you called to do? And so, you know, today I want to kind of walk through what does it look like to um, find God's calling in your life? Maybe we can tell some stories about how, how that's been with us personally. And then, you know, how do we have the mind of Christ towards work? So let's start with with that sort of vocation side. I remember I was in, in law school, and the dean of the law school had we were at his house. Several of us guys were over there, and um, he was asking us, kind of, you know, what what is what is it that you you know are looking for, you know, by fulfilling your vocation? What are you looking for? And I remember just saying, like at the end of the day, what I'm what I'm after is is to hear those words that Christ will say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, and that whatever my calling is, I just want to I just want to accomplish that because I, I want I desire you know I, I'm I thirst for the Lord to be pleased with me and to think that I've done you know I know I'm just an unprofitable servant. I can tell you that you've seen you've been around me in in a work environment, so you know I'm an unprofitable servant, <laughs> um, but to follow the call that God has for you is an amazing thing. And so talk to me about, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're a millennial. And so millennials have a very different way of looking at work. I am a millennial. You are. <laughs> yeah, well, so we watched this. And some of you may have heard, depending on when you're listening to this, it was this week, this, this guy, his parents uh, had to evict him from their house. He's 30 years old. Um, they had to evict him from, from their home. And uh, it was crazy. You know, they asked him to move, asked him to leave, you know, giving him notices, like legal notices. You need to leave because this guy wouldn't get a job and leave their house. So we watched an interview with the guy. And if he's listening, shout out to long haired guy who lives in his parents' house. Hope you found a house by now. Um, but he, he, they, the interviewer was, you know, talking about him being a millennial and maybe having a millennial type view towards things. And, and he was just arguing back and forth until he finally just said at the end of the interview in a very awkward way, I am a millennial. Yeah. Which he was trying to refute the fact that he was a millennial right. because he 
was not because, liberal. Right, because he thought that, that millennial referred to politically liberal, which has nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah. It has to do with when you were born. Yes. Um, and so finally he admitted, <laughs> I am a millennial. And everyone's like, and that was yeah, the you end are. Of it. That was the end of the interview. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was the end. She was just like, was a lot the of was kind of flabbergasted by the whole thing. It was just such an awkward interview. It's, it's cringeworthy. If you get a chance to watch, I think it was a CNN interview. Which, of course, um, is what CNN is aiming for. They're trying to make it as awkward as oh, possible. Oh, and it was, too. and they succeeded. It was, it was hard to watch. It was hard. <laughs> hard to watch but and now you're you're this guy has some vocation issues uh but millennials do have a different view on work and in some ways a better one in some ways a worse one a better one in the sense that they actually do think about vocation i think and calling and not just uh i go to get a, a piece of paper so that i can get a certain job so that i can make a certain amount of money so that i can you know blah 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 blah, blah which is sort of that you know, American system, they're more like, no, I, I want to do something that's fulfilling. I want to do something that's satisfying. I want to do something that I feel called to do. Right. Um, the unfortunate thing is for some, or at least the, the, oh, I don't know, the cliche out there about millennials is they're unwilling to do the stuff that they, that they have to do. Right. You know, right. They, they want the, the good part of work, yes. not the toil part of work, right. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. And so while all of us want to do things, things are satisfied, satisfying. Sometimes you just got to get your, get your hind end off the couch and get to work, do whether something. it's something that you love yeah. or that makes you feel important or special or not. Right, yeah. um, and that's true for every generation. That's not a millennial specific thing. Everybody's got to learn to work, but let's put that aside for a second and, and talk about your path into, into career. Mm -hmm. So you're in high school. Let's let's set the stage. This was like five years ago when you were in high school. I was not in high school. Oh, I was in high school five years ago. Well, there you go. Dang it. Um, five years ago, you're about to graduate from high school probably, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're about to graduate from high school. I think I was in Hawaii about five years ago. Oh, that's on nice. my graduation trip. That'd be even nicer than being here, but this isn't bad either. This is pretty good. So you're... you're Forget about the Hawaii thing. You're about to graduate from high school. <laughs> you're you're thinking about what you're going to do next. Tell me what was kind of you know you're a believer. You're, you had been in church your whole life, uh -huh. um, and you were. I assumedly you already were signed up to go to Boise Bible College at that point. Yeah, yep. I was pretty early getting in there. Okay, so what what's your mindset? What are you thinking? What's what's in your mind about what the future is going to look like? Um, you know, I think I had a, a pretty good picture, uh, just based on looking at other. Uh, at the time, I wanted to be a youth minister um, because when you're a youth student, being a youth minister sounds really cool. Um, and it is. I uh, was planning on being a youth minister, so I just basically was looking at youth ministers that I admired and said, I want to be in your shoes in five years, basically, is, is what I was doing at that time. Um, I trusted God that um, that was um, a good path for me. And... Um, that those people seem to have things pretty well figured out. So I wanted to do the same thing. Um, it was, I was close. I was, I wasn't too far off, but, um, yeah, you work with youth a lot still. Yeah, I still do that. Um, and I did a lot in college, but yeah, I just, uh, figured that that college was my first, uh, tangible step towards that vocation. And what was the, I guess, what was your vision or your thought about, what it was going to all look like when you like, okay, I do this for four years and then I get hired at a mega church in yeah. California or I mean, what were you thinking? Um, I didn't want to work at a mega church. Um, I mean, I didn't really have anything against working at a mega church, but well, um, you succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. We're, we're pretty mega in other ways yeah, other than we're, we're mega cool. <laughs> um, I, I didn't really have any particular picture in mind. I didn't, I don't think I was called to rural ministry, um, which actually was a pretty big, there's a lot of, of encouragement at my college to get into rural ministry. And, and I was like, eh, I don't think so that's, that's like a thing like that people would aim towards. Like I want to work in a rural area as opposed to a metropolitan area. Um, yeah. I don't know if some, some individuals clearly felt called to go work in a rural community either because they grew up there or had visited rural rural communities. Um, That's tough to say. Rural is the worst word. Rural. Um, I'm just going to call you small. No, <laughs> I'm not going to do that either. Small communities. Small communities. Um, small distant com communities. Uh, people definitely felt some calling to do that. Um, and I think that there's a lot of need in those rural communities um, because, you know, 
I think people want to go. It's it's much more desirable to go um, work somewhere in, in a city. In a city, yeah. Um, Where for you can most find, people, for you, you got to have subway close by. Yeah, I don't know how. What, what do I eat if I don't have subway close That's by? Right. Um, and so I, I think it was a kind of a push of the school. Was I think that our school had a lot of ties to rural communities and saw those communities at risk of losing ministers as the generation that was ministering to those communities was mm-hmm. going into retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a little bit of a push to get students involved in that. And that was something I just never felt called to. I don't think um, it would have been a good fit for me or f- for my wife. Um, so how did you know what you were called to, though? You used the word, I didn't feel called to. I want there's, there's sort of a Christianese about that word. And so yeah, I, for yeah. our listeners who maybe didn't grow up in church or don't know what we mean when we talk about f- call or vocation, what is that? How did you know that you weren't called to that and you were called to something else? Um, I would describe the way that I felt. Okay, we'll talk about that particular calling. Um, I would f- say that I felt called not to rural ministry and instead to more of a metropolitan um, area, um, partly because of my own characteristics that, that were intrinsic to me, not something uh, something that God put in me, right? Mm-hmm. Um that was part of it. Uh, part of it was experience and um, where I thought my experiences were leading me to be um, particularly strong suited. Um, okay. I didn't. I don't think I have. I don't think I have hobbies or experiences or skills um, that would make me particularly suited to fit into a rural rural community. Um, I. What for, would those be? Farmy type things. Farmy. Type farmy things. type things. Um, that's a technical term. <laughs> For those of you who are good at farming Agriculture, okay. Agriculture, okay. Right. Um, and it, which is kind of ironic because my parents both Animal grew, husbandry, perhaps? I, no. Uh, <laughs> my, my parents actually grew up in an agricultural community, um, in, in several different agricultural communities, and uh, they moved to Spokane, oh, about the time I was born, a little after I was born. Um, and so... You know, it seems like I spent a lot of time in rural rural communities, um, but usually just for holidays when I go to see my. It's where your family lived. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, my both my grandparents live in a town of oh two thousand people. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think two thousand people. I um, can't correct you. I don't know what town it is. But. I was actually just talking to the people in general. Oh, okay. Someone out there, tell me if Dayton, Washington, is larger than two thousand people. But that's that's my guess of how how large Dayton, Washington is. Um, you know, they lived they lived on opposite ends of town. They both lived kind of. Your grandma and grandpa lived in the opposite ends of town. My 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 grandma Croft, okay. my my dad's mom. Okay. And when my grandpa was alive, they lived on one side of the, the okay, town. Okay, I was going to say that's a very strange marriage. No, 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 no. My my mom's parents uh, lived on the other side of town. Okay. From my dad's parents, um, like like totally. So they were like star-crossed lovers. From yeah, yeah. <clears throat> opposite except, sides of the tracks. Except you could walk between their houses and probably. 25, 30 minutes. Okay. So, um, real small town, um, two minute drive, you know, um, they went to the same church, but they live on opposite sides of town. Um, so I, I got a lot of experience, um, I guess through that, but it never felt like something that I was like, yes, these are my people. These are, this is my community. This is my culture that I fit just into. You just didn't feel an affinity towards it. Right. Right. Um, so as we're working through and just, just so that, cause I want to give some practical help to people. One of the things you were looking at is how has God built me? Mm-hmm. What are things that seem to fit with who I am as a person? Like, right. What are what are my skills? What 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 have I seen that I'm good at? What are other people telling me that I'm good at? What am I comfortable with? What what feels, uh, you know, consistent with sort of the person that God made me? Right. Right. Okay. Keep going. And I think you can be misled in that. And. Um, Oh, so, I was. I oh, tried yeah. to play in the NBA for years. Yeah. years and, no, I didn't. Uh, I knew better than that. That'd be that'd be a sight. I just want to. I wanted to see each NBA team get a a middle aged white guy on the team just for comparison, just to be like, because you know sometimes you're watching the NBA and you're like, oh man, yeah. you suck. And it's like, no, 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 he doesn't suck. He's one of the best in the world. Right. Let's get Just some, some dude here. like me out there trying to play, so you can see how slow and <laughs> short. And, you know, all those kinds of things that the person would be. That would be interesting, you know, just to give a little perspective like, okay. Yeah. Or it should be like, you know, you have you have leagues where, like a co-ed league where 
you got to have at least one guy and at least one girl out on the out on the field at all times or whatever. It's like you got to have at least one of these uh, you know middle-aged guys yeah. out on the court with you on each team at yeah. a time, you know. Well, and they can't guard each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> they just both stand in the middle. They just stand in the middle of the court and don't move. But yeah, that would be interesting for comparison. Yeah, yeah. Um where was how did we get there? <laughs> I don't know, but that's oh, not my right. calling. That so. wasn't your calling, that's yeah. right. Um and so yeah, I I kind of as as there was some pressure from my college to look into rural ministry, um, I just kind of felt no, I don't think I don't think that's quite um my calling. I think I probably could have done it, but I didn't think it was necessarily a path to pursue unless God clearly and that's that's another way that I would determine my calling is um, a path that God is setting before me. Um, coincidences, uh, and I don't want to get into a debate over whether or not coincidences exist. Um, and when, when things just line up for you. Y'all can you, start a debate in the comments yes, do about that. whether coincidences exist. Go ahead. Controversy. Things line up, right? Yeah, when things are lining up in front of you, you know, if, if things were just lining up for me to go into some rural community, um, then, you know, I'd probably take that as God's call. You would have had to learn how to pronounce rural. Rur, rur, no, I just, it would just be community. You just find point. the name of the town and <laughs> yeah. say it. Yeah, I got yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so that would be how I think I, at least in that particular, that one facet of my life was how I probably determined that calling. So you're going through college mm-hmm. and, you know, you're learning stuff and, and you, you Occasionally. know, you, from time to time. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it was Idaho after all, so I don't know. No. <laughs> Love people in Idaho. Shout out to our Idaho listeners. Um, so you're learning and you're going through this and, oh, I don't know what, you, you do a couple of internships out in this right. area, right? Yeah, actually both of them, uh, one of them was literally less than a mile from where we're sitting right now, I bet. Um, the other one over in Hillsboro in, on the Oregon side, um, did a couple of internships. Um, had and to what, do were a, they inter- what were they? What, what did you do in these internships? Um, my first internship was... My first internship was a full-time internship, so I did a lot more in that internship. Um, I preached three times during the summer. I helped with youth a lot. I um, I did a lot of media stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much video. They weren't. They didn't quite have uses for video at that time. But um, lots of I did lots of print um, graphics. They did a Fourth of July event at the park, and so I made a lot of print materials for that and helped them with that. I was just basically um, there to serve however I could. Um, there's a lot of, there was a big push not to let me get stuck in one ministry. They didn't want me just doing youth. They didn't want me just doing worship. Oh, that's another thing I did is I, I helped, uh, lead worship. Um, sounds like it was a big push to get you to do as much as they could get from you. Yes. As opposed to keeping you from one ministry. That's certainly part of it. No, no. It was actually from my college. My college's instruction was don't let yourself get sucked into one particular ministry. Um, cause sometimes, you know, you go to a church and they just have a really big gap somewhere that you can fill. And, and you end up just doing that full time. They wanted you to get as much experience as possible, which sort of leads into this, you figuring out what you're good at, right, what right. you like, what seems to be. So what did you find from that summer that you did like? What did you find that you didn't like? Um, <clears throat> you know, I'd have to go back and read. And that was also an internship that I was required to journal pretty heavily, um, keep keep a journal of, of events and, and things that happened. Um, Would you say that that helped you? In determining your calling, um, yeah, it, it certainly was um, designed to do that, and I think it, it definitely did help with that. It was um, a good way to reflect on all those things, um, to see what things I did work and what things I did didn't work, and and whether that was something that I could improve on, or whether it was you know kind mm-hmm. of uh, an indicator of a, a calling, or more often where I'm not called to. Um, I don't remember any specifics from that summer. Um, because it really was just a good summer all around, so I don't have any n- particular negative memories. I do remember um, I was in charge of one like beach trip for the youth kids, and I remember I there were a lot of things about planning a trip that I found out I was not uh, thinking about. It mostly had to do with how we're gonna. I was like, we'll just do hot dogs at the beach on a fire, and we got there, and I think I had hot dogs and buns, and they said, "Do you have any condiments?" And I went, "Uh." No. And then they said, okay, well, let's get the fire started. Do you have firewood? And I said, no, I figured we'd find some here. <laughs> and then they said, okay, well, do you have a lot? We got the firewood now. 
now do you have a lighter? And I said, Oh my God. <laughs> you just figured that you'd go like man versus wild. It was it the Oregon what? coast. I think probably every the fires were just going to start randomly or <laughs> no, what? No, no, no. Everybody on the beach would have their own lighter. So, um, I think that actually For is what I, I guess with all the pot smoking yeah, yeah, in Oregon, yeah. I got you. Yeah, that was it. Uh, I think that actually probably is how we ended up finding the lighter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some dude with the munchies and you I knew what him. I was doing yeah so you find uh, a guy with Doritos and you're like I know you get a lighter bro yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I got you um, no offense guy with Doritos on the beach yeah yeah. but I was really good at planning out games for that event I was really good at um, so you were good at the classic youth stuff but you got your first taste that logistics are more complicated than you thought yes yeah yeah um, which I don't know if that was necessarily a calling thing as much as a know your weaknesses thing. Which is an experience um, thing. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so I had a good time with that internship. And then my next internship was um, at a church up the road from us that is also meeting in a public school. And uh, I just, I helped with, with worship again, pretty similar. They didn't have a youth group at the time. Um, they, I don't know if they do now. They had me do some print stuff. Lots of just kind of being there for meetings and contributing with ideas. And uh, um, and that was a part-time internship, so I did less. And then I preached, I think, four times that summer. Oh, wow. Um, and then it was also, it was, <laughs> I got a lot of flack from my advisor um, back at the college for, for this internship. I got a bad grade on this internship because um, I was getting married that summer. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of, I was planning on doing an internship that next fall. Um, during school, but then I realized how much school, how many classes I was having to take. So I was like, I got to do an internship this summer. But our wedding was July 26th, which Ah. is less than a month out from school starting back up. Uh, So it was towards the end of my summer, but still kind of in the middle. And I think I was able to do eight weeks of internship, but there's supposed to be a 10-week internship. Mm. Um, So I, yeah, I didn't get a good grade from that. Well, you were interning as a newly married person too. That's No, I wasn't married yet. Oh. It was all... In July, you got married. I got married in July and then my internship was over after my wedding. Gotcha. My last week of my internship was July 19th. Um, I'm sure you were able to fully concentrate on your internship when you were about to get married. In fact, I think I was supposed to come back like the Monday after that last Sunday and I was like, sorry, I got too much going on. I can't be there. It was a good internship and... And left at that. Thanks. My, we'll see you. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Kind of felt bad about how it ended just because, but I also didn't because I was getting married. Um, so yeah, I didn't get a good grade on that internship. Didn't get as much out of that internship because I was, you know, getting married in a couple months. Um, so you got married, you head back to school for what, your last year? Yep. And you're realizing, okay, when this is over, I actually have to have yeah a job. Yep. Yep. A real job. Um, first time. First time having basically the world open to me, you know, if I want to go do something in Argentina, I can do that. Um, if I can convince my wife to, which I could not. Um, <laughs> she didn't want to go to Argentina? I didn't ask, but no. I, I would doubt I would doubt it. I don't know. We took her to Honduras. She did That's, okay. I, I was blown away by that. So um, I, I was wasn't. proud of her. for. She for loved going. it. She yeah. had a great time. Well, other than getting sick, but. Yeah. That's but, she, she gets sick all the time. Yeah, so yeah. Let's be fair. She would have been confused if she didn't get sick. Shout out to Taylor and we would be, if she didn't get sick while she was there, we would have moved there by now. Right, <laughs> no doubt. This place is magical. Place I don't get sick. Yeah, um, she wasn't that sick. Yeah, she yeah. Was fine. Um, so yeah, I had and, and so I, my, I had one other internship credit, which was that I had to preach twelve sermons and I had to um, manuscript each of those out and I had to do a reflection on each of those and I had to film three of them and do a reflection of watching those films. Um, and in what was that, that like watching yourself preach? Not good. You didn't enjoy that. I did not enjoy that. Cause I, it wasn't like anything I, when I watched something, I want to be surprised and I was not surprised by anything. <laughs> That's true. Like I've seen this one I, before. I, wait a second. Does he say, oh, I knew he was going to say or that next. Or if it's like that for, for like actors who make a movie, you know, they, not know. only have they done it once, but oftentimes you're filming those scenes like can Chris 17, Pratt, 20, 30 times. Yeah. You know? Can Chris Pratt enjoy watching the Avengers? I doubt it. I mean, the only thing that they might enjoy is, of course, when they're filming the movie, all the special effects aren't there and the CGI and all that. And so yeah. they get to see what it looks like, which would be cool, but they know the lines, but right? But also as someone who makes movies almost as good as the Avengers, um, Yes, was, you, you do make that was, that was a joke. Um, but you know, you in your mind, you when you see those clips that look great and when they're edited down 
on purpose for a video, <laughs> you see all the other stuff that's going on and it just l- doesn't look as magical to you because right. you, you see everything behind it. And, uh, and so I, I like to be able to erase my memories of making videos so that I could see them with fresh eyes and maybe, you know, glean more about how I can make it better. But, um, so you're watching yourself preach and, and what are you thinking about preaching at this point? Cause you're a preaching major. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah, around sermon three, I was like, man, this is not my thing. <laughs> um, cause I had, I had a bunch of roommates who are also preaching majors or at least in preaching classes. And uh, they all seem to really enjoy it and do pretty good at it. And I <laughs> seem to really not enjoy it and really not do good at it. Um, and I think I grew, you know, and I got, I, I was, I was terrible at first and I got uh, tolerable by the end of it, I would say. But, but was Most it something improved. that you started to come to enjoy or just something that you learned to do better at? Um, I learned to do better. I never, I don't know if I ever enjoyed preaching. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed, um, the study and I enjoyed, I enjoyed writing. I actually, I liked writing a lot. Um, but I, I would much have rather written essays, um, Mm -hmm. than have been writing sermons. So in this time period, and and just for those who are sort of, okay, this isn't, of course, my exact path. This is Hunter's path, but the things that they can, that they can glean from this, you're the media side, which you had started in high school, probably sort of messing with media stuff, but you haven't been, you weren't, you didn't go to school for that. Nope. Never, uh, officially trained. But as you were going through, you were, you were realizing that you had a gift. Mm Mm-hmm. On that side, had you, when you first came into school, had you thought that that would be a major part of, you know? I think I... Or even the worship side, talk about both. Because now you're the worship and media lead at Acts Church, and, and you know, that's what you do, as opposed to a youth pastor or a preacher or some of the things that maybe you thought you might be. So how did you right. grow into realizing these would be the things that were going to be more prominent? Um when I was, when I was, I just realized, man, I'm making a lot of videos for people. I'm, I'm, m- m- the most significant impact I'm having on this youth group is um, making a lot of, of print and media uh, materials for them to use to, you know, advertise events and to um, remember events, you know, filming them and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, around my freshman year of college, it was, it became pretty apparent. And, you know, you're thinking, of, of you're wanting to eventually land a position with a church, you know? So you're kind of thinking about how can I market myself? How, how you're, you're trying to get in, in a potential employer's head. Sure. Um, and, and so you're thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm a preaching major who is really good at, you know, I, I always assumed that some sort of music or some sort of media would be involved um, in, in wherever I ended up. I would have been, I would have been really disappointed if I ended up in a church where I was not able to do any video or graphic design or music at all. Um, it would have been a bummer for me. And so okay, um, probably that was probably a good sign that it was something that I should seek out. So at some point you're, you're towards the end of school and well, who told you about the, the position here? Your, did you find it yourself? I found or? it on um, like a Christian job search site. Okay. Yeah. And so, of course, it was, it was. I don't remember exactly how you advertised, but it would have said worship and media. Right, right. And so, are those the positions fact, you were looking it, for? or the, the position was, I think it was pretty much worship leader. And then like in the posting, it kind of hinted at, we'd also like it if you were good at media stuff. Um, and of course, at the time, I wasn't really... I was not, I think I had had like fleeting thoughts of, huh, what if I became a worship leader? But I, not really, it never really developed beyond that. Even, even after graduation, even after I had graduated right. um, college, I almost could have gotten a minor in worship ministry from my college. I think I would have needed to do like a couple more classes and um, an internship and I could have had a minor in, in worship ministry. Um so it was, you know, it was like kind of something that was around, but um, not. And in fact, I passed up. I, I had seen your posting, and I went, uh, but they want to, they want to worship. This isn't a, 
it wasn't a media guy with some worship tendencies. It was a worship leader with some media tendencies. Some worship tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> he tends to worship from time to time. Occasionally right. likes to sing. Right. Um, no, I, uh, I, I passed up, passed it up thinking, no, this isn't my thing. Cause I, I never sung into a microphone. Um, didn't feel like I was particularly gifted that way. Um, didn't think that it would be, I thought, I thought it would be a potential possibility, but I didn't feel comfortable applying for a job like that immediately. So what changed your mind about that? I don't know. I think, um, I think it, I mean, it was probably an hour between when I passed it up and when I actually applied. I think it was just kind of a, you know what, I should, I should try this. Um, I think you were, you were somewhat nondescript on what you meant by worship leader. If you meant someone who would organize, cause I think I would, I would have been at that time. I was comfortable with the idea of planning worship sets and, and organizing a worship team and, um, arranging the music and everything like that. I was comfortable with that idea. Um, just not the worship leading part, not being the guy that people are looking at on stage right. um, to lead worship. Um, and so I think I just kind of went, well, you know, maybe, maybe this would work out. I'm just going to apply for it. What's the worst that could happen? You know, we were, we what, were kind what of, what happened, a, I guess. Yeah. 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 I know. <laughs> That's Apparently the worst thing that could have happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how many, how many positions did you apply for and what were the other kinds that you applied for? The other, the other descriptions of, of jobs that you applied for, like youth leader jobs. And I stuff did like apply that. for one youth leader job, um, at a church near here. Um, Journey Christian Church, I think. Yeah, that was downtown Camas. Yeah, yeah. I applied there. Never heard back from them, so um, thanks. Just kidding. It all worked out. Um, <laughs> and I applied uh, with uh, a Calvary Chapel up in near Seattle. Okay. Um, and I think I applied a few other places. I talked to a guy um, near Tacoma who I, I already knew him, and he was looking... See, he was looking for a guy who could take on um, the, the the pulpit, t- take on preaching um, after he retired. Hmm. And I said, I don't think I'm your guy. Sorry. Um, so I, I talked a lot. I don't remember if I applied to any more. Those, your church, the Journey Church, and the Calvary Chapel. It's, up not, in, it's not my church, but, I know, but you it's know. our church. Yeah, right. correct. Axe Church, yeah, Journey church. church, and... Uh, Southeast Calvary Chapel, or I can't remember what it was called, um, a Calvary Ch- Chapel up there. And I talked to the guy from Calvary Chapel and the position at Calvary Chapel was, um, what was it? Creative director, I think. No. Oh, oh, um, director of creative arts, I think is what it was called. And uh, I talked to him for a while and he said, yeah, we've got some applicants. And it sounded like they were, you know, probably three months out from an actual hire. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, okay, I'll, I've got my name in that in that realm. Um, and then I applied for, for this church and pretty quickly heard back from you guys. Sherry Ware called me, um, and talked to me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's my gatekeeper. She, 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 she warned me about you and yeah, I'm sure she did. <laughs> Actually, I don't, I don't remember how exactly that conversation went. I remember she just kind of gave a brief explanation of what Axe church was like, where you were from. Um, and, and uh, so did I call you or did you come meet me for the first no, time? At, I met you at, for the first time okay. right where we're sitting right now, actually. Right. Um, I, we were friends on Facebook and exactly we had... Exactly where we're sitting right now. I yeah, think. I, yeah, I think you were sitting in that chair. Well, it wasn't that chair because that chair in used to be inside. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was That's a funny. little bit colder than it is right now and a little bit rainier than it is right now. Was it rainy? It was a really rainy weekend. And actually. I was smoking a cigar and you were thinking to yourself, what? <laughs> I th- honestly thought that you were doing that as... Um, I thought you were doing it for shock factor, like like oh, let's see if this kid is like gonna get thrown off by this. Oh, that's so funny that you would. Uh, I mean, I'm just not that smart um, to, <laughs> to have thought about how how to shock you. Well, yeah, no, I know I know better now. Yeah, um, and you know it, it was kind of. And weird. so, were you shocked? I mean, what was your what was your thought about that? Um, it was different. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't the first pastor that I had seen smoke a cigar, but um, it wasn't a normal thing for me either. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting it, I guess. Um, 
It, it, you know, in general, it was kind of an odd. And I probably should have been wearing a shirt, to be fair. It was kind of weird, too. No, I was, I was yeah. wearing a shirt. I was just I probably wearing a jacket towel. if it was raining, I'm guessing. Yeah, probably some puffy I, sh- I probably shouldn't have been in the full bathrobe while we were having <laughs> a conversation. No, it's, so, so you came down here. And it was, you, you interviewed. Go I ahead. mean, it was a weird day. So, like, I, I got on the road from Boise. It was a Wednesday, I think. No. I don't remember. It was a Thursday, I think. Um, got on the road from Boise. Uh... I canceled my, I was supposed to be on a worship team that weekend in Boise, canceled that, um, told him I couldn't play, uh, drove over here. Like the phone call with Sherry was on Wednesday. She was like, can you come tomorrow? And I was like, no. And then I thought about it. I was like, okay, I'll come. Um, and, uh, drove over here with my guitar stuff. And, uh, and I only brought my guitar stuff cause I, I thought it was a worship leader position and I didn't think about the media at all but then you ended up having me do more media stuff while I was here anyway um so I came here and but on my way as I'm like leaving Idaho to go into Oregon all of a sudden my phone just dies just it was at full battery just randomly dies so I pulled over in like Ontario and tried to find a a Verizon store to get my phone to work and they finally got to work but it was just a weird morning in general because I was driving without any contact with the world which would have been totally normal 20 years ago but it was very weird for me mm-hmm. and then uh got here you couldn't drive 20 years ago being three years old yeah exactly right okay. they were they were against that back then yeah. um and i'm driving you know i drive down the road i'm looking for a church and uh actually i think i got told that it was a house but um you know i'm looking for a house and you really don't even see the house until you're past it so i passed the house had to drive back uh pulled up was looking for any signs that said Axe Church, and then I realized there was one on the door. Um, I came in, knocked on the door. Susan opened the door for me. And she's like, "Oh, he's in the back." So I walk through the house. I come back here, and and you know, it's just a, a backyard, and you're back here sitting with your computer, smoking a cigar, and uh, just not what I expected. <laughs> you know, it was just a weird day in general. Yeah, you're a little you're a little off put. I don't know if I was off put, but I was. Uh, I was disoriented a little bit, I'd say. I'm not sure that those are different things. But, uh, <laughs> so you're disoriented. You, Disorientation can be off So we have the interview. You find out that it's not purely just a worship thing, that there's a lot of media involved with it, which I'm assuming was... Good news for good me. Good news. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that you were happy about that. Yeah. And so we had a, a conversation, and then you're having to... I don't remember at what point you got offered the job, but it wouldn't have been that much after that. I think it was Monday or Tuesday after that. Okay. So you get offered the, the position... Or did I have you come back for another interview? No. Nope. I can't remember. Um, so I was, I was here for a full weekend. I was here Thursday through Sunday. I played on the worship team Sunday. Okay. And then you were like, I'll get back to you. And mm-hmm. you got back to me. I think it was Tuesday. Okay. So now you're in a situation of, or did you just accept right away? Or did you? I don't remember. No, I think you said like, pray about it for a couple hours and then get back to me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> that sounds like me. Not a couple of days. You get a couple hours. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you're ready to do this, let's do well, this Well, you were in a hurry and I was also in a hurry because we were... Um, that you had to be like out of, move out yeah, of Yeah, our apartment was going to raise our rent by like $200 and we were going to have to sign a, a year contract if right. we didn't move out by July 10th or something like that. And this was in late June. So, um, yeah, so I was like, so what was the, what was the, let's get back to the calling part of this. So you, you have a, a major life decision to make at this point that has to do with your calling, your vocation, Mm -hmm. your career. And so you went in to back up, you went in out of high school thinking youth pastor, you became a preaching major in college. That's what you sort of chose to go after recognizing that wasn't necessarily your thing, but realizing that the gifts and media and, and worship are more your thing. Right. Although still youth, you still like that. And I, uh, I liked, I I liked media because it was a background role. It was a, don't be up on stage type of role. And so it was almost like, uh, in contrast with the worship. Although I liked, I liked playing guitar in a worship band because I was able to just kind of stand off to the side and play some music and Mm -hmm. not be the center of attention. Um, and so, and so that's why the idea of being the worship leader was still a little bit of a, an outside my, my reach type of idea. Right. Well, and of course, part of being a good worship leader is to, is to create an environment where Jesus is a center of attention, which it's good that you're not a person who's desiring spotlight mm-hmm. because that helps you to, yeah. to push the, the church towards really focusing on, on the one that we should be focusing on, which is actually a really good thing. Uh, probably a separate podcast talking more about worship, but let's, let's, 
let's work through the what's happening in your heart, what's happening in your mind with mm. you and the Lord as you're thinking about, okay, do I, you know, I've seen the church now, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've met some of the leadership, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through this process. How do you know at this point, this is what God's called you to do? Um, I don't know. I, you know, I just, I just prayed about it. I talked to my dad a lot about it just because, um, before I make any large purchases or any big decisions, I, I think I usually call my dad just to yeah. talk about all the, the pros and the cons and the, um, and that's good advice. I mean, that's, I think that having counselors mm-hmm. that you know to be, and your dad, of course, is, is a spiritual leader, you know, in, in both in his church as an elder and in your family. And mm-hmm. so going to someone who has, uh, you know, shown good spiritual leadership, who's going to give uh, good advice is, is a good idea. So you right, go right. to him and, and so and yes. he tells you, get away from this guy smoking cigars <laughs> yeah, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I called him after every single, like, so like I came here, met with you for like an hour and a half. Uh, left and I called him. And then I went to band rehearsal that night at your house. Um, had an hour and a half band rehearsal. Oh, and then we talked for like another hour after that with just the band. Um, and I left and I called him again. <laughs> and then, I, you know, I was just, I was calling him after every encounter with you guys. And what, was, to, what was what was he telling you? I mean, how was he helping you work through it? Um, I think he was just giving me questions to ask. Like, like is is this, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Um, and then I'd tell him something and he would say, you know, he'd say, well, that could mean this or it could mean this. And, uh, I don't, I don't have any specifics of what I was talking about, but, um, you know, he would just kind of help me work through the ideas verbally. So as opposed to just saying you should do this or you shouldn't do this, he was helping you to sort of analyze and and work through, was this your call? Right. Yeah. He was, he was kind of someone that I could just tell him what I was seeing and he could, almost repeat it back to me, but he could interpret it back to me and, and see if, if I was, if I was actually thinking through things clearly. Um, and so that was, that was all good. Um, and so at the end of all of this, you know, I just had to realize, okay, I don't know if I saw anything that was like, clearly this is the only option for you to go into ministry is, is here. I don't know if I, um, there, there was no, there's no uh, spotlight shining on on this office building or anything like that to tell me that um, God wanted me here. But there was um, lots of of indicators that were saying this could be a a useful position for you. This could be um, a group of people that you would uh, both benefit from and be a benefit to. Um, and so, ultimately, because uh, and also it was weird all of our options to stay in Boise were disappearing. Um, we were going to try and um, house sit for someone who was going to be gone for the whole summer, and that didn't work out. We were going to um, stay with friends that I lived with before I got married um, because they were super super hospitable people, super compassionate people, um, loved to be there for, for young uh, college students and, and married couples. And... Uh, and just something was, I think they were, they had someone living with them for that time that mm. they just didn't have any space for us. Um, and just, so yeah. And then the apartment was, we were like, okay, well, we'll just like renew with the apartment for like three months or something like that. Cause we knew, we knew we didn't want to be stuck in Boise for another year. We knew that we thought we were going to be leaving Boise before a year was up. Um, three months sounded like a good time frame to us, but <laughs> the rent was going to be like, $2,000, which in Boise is just, it was a joke. It, they, they were just basically telling us, we're not going to sign a three-month contract with you. Right. Um, and so uh, so all of our options to stay in Boise were disappearing. Um, the, the doors to Axe Church were opening much faster than I thought was possible. Um, and there were no red flags along the way. Um, and so that's probably how I... You should I, have been more observant. I know. I'm, I'm not terribly observant. That's what I was, I was, I was worried that like, I'm going to miss like, oh, you missed the fact that these people weren't actually praying to Jesus. They were praying to Satan. Right. Like the, the two people are, are totally, it's a cult and you've just gotten yourself involved. And, yeah. There well, was, Cause you guys didn't have like a denomination that I could like look to and be like, oh, that's what they're like. I, I had to actually right. observe it all. So. Well, and, and I think that what you're bringing up is a good point as we're, as we're thinking about vocation, we're thinking about you know, what it means to, um, find your way. And, and we're not going to have time in this podcast for me to go through kind of my 
experiences and and so on in this because I spent so much time walking through yours. Um, and maybe we'll do that in another podcast and talk about this again. I'm sure we will uh, because vocation is such an important part of our lives as human beings and who God made us. But, you know, when we see, sometimes the Lord gives us a pretty clear calling. Like, you know, you may have other other folks, um, guys and girls over at Boise Bible College who had a much more, maybe a clear word from the Lord, uh, you know, mm-hmm. where, where they are a dream and God was like, go to this, but you know, that, that, that kind of stuff can happen. But oftentimes it's the, it's, it's being with the Lord, you know, it's those, it's that praying that you were doing on your drive here. And on your drive back, and on the times between, you know, while you're interviewing, it's the it's and all the praying praying that I did while I was in college. That that's right. That this wouldn't all be fruitless. Right, the praying that you were doing during college, Lord, you know, show me what you have for me, and 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 help me to learn the things I need to learn. Help me to you know, and and watching, and and then just seeing, being self uh, aware. Mm-hmm. about like who you are and who God's made you and like figuring these things out about yourself. What am I, what am I going to be good at is going to be a huge part of what you're called to. And of course we're talking specifically in the context of ministry uh, or, or let's just say vocational ministry where, where this is what we do full time. Everyone is in vocational ministry in the sense that, that if you're a believer and you're following Christ, a, a decent amount of your time should be in volunteering and in, in counseling with people and in being the kind of uh, mentor and counselor that your dad was to you, um, to hopefully, you know, he's probably that to other people too, and you will be as well. And uh, all of those things uh, are important, but you're, you're working through this process and you do, you look for the open doors. You know, the open doors, you look for red flags. Are there things here that, that I'm, am I, am I the one pushing doors open or is God the one opening doors? Mm-hmm. You know, is this something where, okay, I, I didn't even know for sure I wanted to apply for this. Here it is. And now as I walk through it, everything's saying yes about this and everything about my own kind of thoughts and plans has been saying, no, staying in Boise is not going to work. This isn't going to work. That's not going to work. This church didn't call me back. This, you know, this one's going to be three months later. And you start to see, okay, this, is, this seems to be, where everything's going, that plus counsel, um, you know, plus prayer is, I think, most of the time how we're going to sort of discover that next step that the Lord wants us to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and there are, uh, you know, a, a billion different stories from a billillion different believers about where God's called them and and so on. But there's there's often people who are in a situation where they're they're thinking to themselves, I'm not sure I am where God's called me to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I sort of made the I sort of pushed the doors open where I am, or went with the path of least resistance, um, and just kind of what where I am is just kind of what happened, as opposed to it being a process that was prayerful and had lots of counsel and and so on. Um, and or or I was just after the money. I just wanted to be secure. That's all I could think about is just security. And so that was my main thing was financial security. And I went to a job for that. Now I don't feel fulfilled in it. Mm-hmm. You know, should I be doing something else? Should I have had other considerations? Well, here's what I would say to that. Financial security is important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's tough to eat if you don't have any money. And and so that is a, a factor. But if if you raise it above everything else. You get you can get very sideways in your priorities in terms of am I really doing what God's called me to do? Right, um, and so it should be a factor, not the only factor, and that's true of almost any factor. The only real factor that's above everything else is do I know this is what God's called me to do? And so you know, as as you you know are working through, you know, those of you who are listening are working through those issues. If you're in a position like that now, get those good counselors, get on your knees and, and be praying, asking God to to answer you. He's not always going to answer you right away. I can tell you that because my own experience, uh, you know, there was actually a long period of time where God did not give me a clear answer. Um, and I had to continue to bloom where I was planted, you know, doing the things that God had me doing in that moment until he showed me the next thing. And so, uh, and, and, and like I say, I may tell that story at some point. The other part that I wanted to talk about today, we don't have a lot of time to get into it, is sort of when you're in that place and when, as we're working, you know, what does it look like to to be a worker that is worth his wages or her wages? What does it look like to be a worker who is being is being Jesus Christ, is being Jesus' hands and feet, whatever you're doing, whether that is, you know, you're, you're a plumber, you're a construction worker, uh, you're, you know, working, you're on an assembly line, you're, you're working for, you're in an office, you're a secretary, you're a, a doctor, you're whatever you are. What does it look like to be Jesus, you know, Jesus' servant 
in that scenario. Um, and there's not a lot that we're going to be able to get into this time on that. Um, but let me, a couple things. If you're thinking about that, I mean, it, the, the simplest thing, it's a, I could give you 10 steps to being Jesus' hands and feet, uh, you know, and maybe we'll do that sometime. But let me just tell you the most important one to be actually intentionally thinking about what does it look like when you get up in the morning? Are you praying for your, for what you're about to do that day, praying for your coworkers? Are you praying for opportunities to serve others in a way that honors Christ? Are you, are you looking to be that? Because it starts with desiring that, having a desire to be uh, Jesus to those who you're working with and to your boss, uh, to your coworkers, to, to the people who are around you. Am I, am I trying to be that? Am I trying to have the mind of Christ? And a lot of the other stuff comes kind of naturally if you have that mindset. And so I would say, because we really are running against time here, I would say, you know, be as a worker who wants to be a worthy worker, you know, first think about vocation. That's, that's what we've talked about the most of this podcast. Think about vocation. What am I called to do? And this is not just in the work you do for money. This is also in the church in your place in the body of Christ. What am I called to do here? And then as you do those things, don't don't let the opportunity pass by and just work because we work because we have to work. Think about really using each day as an opportunity to to push forward into the kingdom of God and to draw others into that. And what does that look like? Is it just a little more kindness? Is it a little thoughtfulness as you are a representative of Jesus Christ, wherever you're working as a believer, um, thinking, thinking very intentionally about the things that you do. Now you've worked at Subway and mm-hmm. you were a sandwich artist, yeah. um, which so your your lead of kind of media arts here, you were lead of sandwich arts. Right, right. There. Um, I wasn't the lead, but I was. I was but you were an artist, a sandwich artist. Sandwich artist. Um, and uh, I don't know if that was a minor at Bo- Boise Bible College or not, but I wish sandwich artistry. But even there, you had to think about. What did it look like to be a believer working in a place? I'm assuming there were unbelievers that worked at Subway with you. Certainly. Um, what did it look like for you? What were, what were some of the things that you thought about? Um, you know, I had, I don't know if I had any Christian coworkers, at least at the first Subway I worked at. Um, you know, it was, it was actually, you know, good to have that um, interaction with, with unbelievers. Um, partly because, you know, when you're in, if you've been to Bible college, um, which based on how small my Bible college was, not many of you have, um, you get in this little, uh, bubble of you're on campus with all these Christians and not just Christians, but Christians who have decided that they're going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars, um, to, um, go into ministry, you know, um, that's a, um, very specific, uh, subset of Christians. And so you have this very, uh, tight, uh, group of people with the same, um, you know, desires and the same beliefs and everything like that, that, um, you kind of forget how, how the rest of the world operates. And so it was good to, um, just be able to go do that, you know, and, and, um, interact with people outside of, uh, my, my bubble. You know, I had, um, a lot of students from Boise State University who worked with me, um, and they certainly had very different ideas than me. Um, I had, uh, a, a transgender coworker who, um, <laughs> told me that, that they believed if they could, you know, design a, a utopian community, um, you know, everyone would have just basically like basically every job would just get paid by the government, what that job deserved. And so scientists would get the most money, of course. And then, uh, you could you could be a a religious um, minister type person, but you wouldn't get paid for that. You wouldn't. It didn't deserve uh, any money. And uh, you know. And so it was kind of like, oh, okay. So you totally disagree. I wonder what with lawyers would give. No, I, I think about that. Probably not much. Yeah. Um, and and you know just you know and that I got to navigate that relationship with that person um, to be able to. Uh, to work with them while we clearly have very different ideas about most things. Um, and they were able to see that, no, I don't hate you because you, um, 
very and they knew that you were in Bible college and yeah 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 they were they were aware and and that's why you know I think I don't think that they just were like walking through their society of this person gets this much this person gets this much I think they said you know they were going to school to go into um I think astrophysics obviously science of some kind some, some science yeah yeah and 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 so they said scientists who are advancing culture and society should get the most money and uh, religious. And that right there is an interesting worldview statement, right? Yes, yeah, it, it was very, um, it's a totally different uh, approach to zero value the world. in anything that is spiritual or or suggestion that it's advancing anything, right? Right, and all the value in science. Yeah, so you're with these people, and and what is the what is the nature of how are you how are you day by day? I mean, you're, are you, were you praying for them? Yeah. Uh, how are you day by day, you know, interacting in a way, just, just showing them that a believer is not. Yeah. I guess just not, uh, you know, um, not backwards, being, not, not yeah, just, rude, just not being, uh, being a real person and not, uh, be not being fragile. You know, I think that there's this idea that, you know, if I, if you swear around a Christian that, uh, you're going to hurt them or they're going to be offended. And, um, I, if you're not a Christian if, or if you don't, if you don't have any claims of faith, I don't really, I'm not offended by anything you do because why would I be offended by something that you did that you didn't have the same convictions that I have? Um, and so I just got to show them that I was, I was real. I was um, sincere that I cared about them, even if they did things I disagreed with. Um, and, and I think hopefully I was at least a good influence on, on that, um, a good a good picture of what a Christian um, could or should be like. And what about in the work itself? Um, Did you feel like working hard was important yeah. as a witness? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it would look bad if I was just trying to get in and out of there as quickly as possible without doing... Because, you know, there were, at Subway, there were a lot of shortcuts you could take that would um, have varying uh, levels of noticeability to your coworkers. Um, you know, or... Maybe your coworkers wouldn't notice, but your managers would. Um, there were a lot of, and and it was very much, uh, you know, I was scheduled to work this long, um, but a lot of times I would be working later than I was scheduled for because of um, basically you have your list of tasks that you have to do that you have to manage while also making sandwiches for people. Right. Um, and so if it's a busy night, you don't get to that list until um, the dinner crowd goes away, um, which my last day did not happen. This dinner crowd never went away on my last day. It was the worst last day. Um, but you, you know, so you can take shortcuts on that list to, you know, either not do things entirely because they won't be noticed or um, to do them partially because they won't be noticed. And so I'm um, just uh, being, having integrity and, and doing those things and trying to make your coworkers' jobs easier um, you know, that I'll talk about that last day of work. My last day of work at Subway, I was working with that transgender coworker, and uh, I'll make a, uh, a quick story. Um, and it was the it was a Tuesday, so it wasn't like a, a hot day of the week for sandwiches or anything like that. Um, and what, what is the hot day of the week for sandwiches? I don't know, but it wasn't Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> I think right. I think Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays were actually like the 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 upticks of, hmm. of people going to sandwiches and good weather. And it wasn't particularly good weather. I don't think it was, it would have been May, um, which I guess, or maybe April, which would have been somewhat better weather, but it was not like a particularly warm, um, day. There was, so inexplicably you have a big dinner. So in, yeah, it was just, we ran out of bread. So, you know, the baking bread process is like a three hour process so we had to make more bread um, and so, um, I could have, I think I was scheduled to get off at nine that night and I could have said, I think we're open till 11. I think we're on summer hours. So we're open till 11. And so I could have said to my coworker who was the closer, sorry, it's nine o'clock. I got to go. Um, it's my last day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, I could have said that, or I think I stayed till 10 and helped them, uh, uh, manage the, the nightmare that was that, that fateful Tuesday evening. Right. Um, and so, you know, I don't know, I don't know if they recognize anything about that. I don't know if they thought anything of it, but, um, you know, I was being faithful to what I felt God had called me to do. Um, 
I didn't see my work as just a way to earn a paycheck. I saw it as something that I was contributing, um, something that was uh, building me up and building up those around me. And so um, I don't know if I always, you know, I'm, I'm talking, I'm giving the right answer. Um, I don't know if I always did that, but um, I at least somewhere knew that and, and generally think I was guided by that principle. Um, and it's an important principle. I mean, the fact is people do notice. And, mm-hmm. and if you're going to say that you're a Christ follower, then honoring your, your coworkers and your boss, I mean, there, there is no job that's not a ministry. Right. And so it's not like pastors and worship leaders and, and whatever are the only ministers. Everyone is ministering. And so the question is, are you doing this unto the Lord? Or are you not? And so as you, as you work your job, as you're, it, is, it is a vocation. If that's where God's got you right now, it's your calling. And if it's not your calling, then of course you need to walk through that process of figuring out whether it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is, and whether it is or it isn't, as you're working, you should be working as unto the Lord. People do notice it does make a difference. And and so I would keep that in, in mind as you go through your day. Don't think of your job as a hassle or something you have to do, but think of it as work that God has put in front of you and look for those opportunities to minister as you do it. So we're going to close up. I'm going to pray and and then that'll be it for this one. Father, I just, I thank you for work. Uh, We're sorry uh, for, for our sins and, and that which has caused some of our work to be toil. And we look forward to the day when, when we'll work without the toil aspect in, in the kingdom, Lord, and, and when, we're, when we're resurrected and we're remade and we're transformed into perfection, Lord. We look, we look for that and we, we want that so bad. But for now, Lord, we can still live in your spirit and we can, we can do the things that you've called us to do, Lord. We thank you for vocation and calling and that our lives do have purpose, it, whether it's making sandwiches at Subway, whether it's leading worship here, wh- whatever it is, wherever we are. Uh, wherever we work, that we would just do it as a ministry unto you. And I just pray that for those who are listening, for for our church and for your church, Lord, worldwide, that those who love you would show that in the way that they work. And we ask that you would give us the strength and the ability to work hard and that we would be a witness in, in that for you, whether we can, whether we're allowed to talk about you at our job or not, that we would be talking about you through everything that we do and that people would see you in us. Lord, we just pray for that. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. Be with those listening this week, those that have needs, uh, physical, financial, emotional, Lord, that you would be there with, with our people, Lord, uh, your people in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Extra podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got a lot out of it. Hope that you are considering what your vocation is, what your calling is, um, and that you uh, were able to think through your your own personal uh, walk a little bit more as you listen to mine. Uh, thanks for listening to so much of my story. Hopefully, uh, it was of some use to you. If you are uh, not aware of what Axe Church is, we are a uh, group of believers here in uh the Camas, Washington area near Portland, Oregon. You can check us out at www.axcamas.org. We have sermons up there. We have more podcasts up there. We have information about our ministries. Uh, we'd love it if you check it out. If you're in the area, we'd love it if you'd come uh, visit us on a Sunday um, and, and consider making Axe Church your place of worship. Um, we are just a body of believers who are interested in getting to know the character of Christ uh, through his word and through um, our everyday lives more and more and letting him shape our lives. Uh, So thanks for listening and we'll catch you again next time.